Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. My name is Hala Hassan, and I'm here to chat about my new cookbook in Bibi's Kitchen. If you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. I'm always looking for new people to enjoy cookery by the book. Now on with the show. So your cookbook is based on recipes and stories from the kitchens of BB's. What does the term BB mean? So BB is the is the word for grandmother in Swahili, which is the most spoken language on the Indian Ocean on the African side of it. Give us a little overview of the cookbook with the eight countries that border the Indian Ocean and how you came up with this concept. Well, in Baby's Kitchen is meant to be an exploration of recipes and stories through food. It's intended on keeping conversations from our matriarchies, which are our grandmothers. I spent a long time trying to figure out how to make foods from home. So how do I cook Somali cuisine when I've never been shared written recipes? And when I originally got into the food industry, I knew that along the timeline of me making condiments and, you know, who knew what else I'd go on to do. But I knew the one thing I really wanted to do was do as I'd often done, which was speak to women who were older than me about what they were cooking. It's rare that I had got to ask even my own grandmother, what inspires you? What are you most proud of when you look back? Um, so it's really just their stories and their words and their recipes that, that are in this book and are the backbone of In Baby's Kitchen. So describe the complicated content process. How did you go about testing these recipes? Originally, when we approached the BBs, we knew that we wouldn't get a full recipe from someone. So what we did is we used my iPhone to record. We used Skype to record. We used WhatsApp to record. So it was a lot of recording, a lot of just watching. Was it a pinch? Was it a heavy pinch? Was it, you know, is it a can of coconut milk? Um, so we, that's, that's how we got there. How long did that take to examine what they were doing and then get it down on paper? Honestly, not long at all. I think the thing that we were most concerned about was just making sure that the recipes were true to what the BBs did. You even got to feel for the recipe when you were in their company. So if you really examine it, this is an old-fashioned cookbook that has nothing to do with trends. Absolutely. Our intent was not to talk about what's new and next, but to really focus on how do we preserve these stories? How do we tell big stories from women who inspire us through recipes? Tell me about where you grew up and your early life growing up. I was born in Somalia in a city called Mukdisho in the late 80s. In 1991, Somalia was experiencing a civil war. And so in the midst of that, my family and I packed up moving to Kenya and After the first year of being there, my mother was presented with an opportunity to have myself accompany a group of people who were moving to Seattle, Washington. And so with the hope of them joining me, my mother sent me ahead. Um, I ended up living with this group of Somali people for quite some time in Seattle. Sponsorship never came through for my family, and ultimately they ended up relocating to Norway and Oslo. Oslo in Norway, and now they live there. They've been there for a little over 20 years, and that's where I call home. But yeah, we were separated for quite some time because they didn't have the capacity to come in the mid-90s. 
since you were separated from your mom for so many years at such a young age, do certain recipes help bring back fond memories of your whole family being together? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Somali chapter is really uh, an odie to my mother. I think I keep having this conversation and telling people that so much isn't about what we're cooking, but the smell of the spices. And so our hawaj is what, you know, I could be anywhere in the world. And if I smell cinnamon toasting, I'm like, oh my God, it smells like my mom's house. The other night I made your recipe for Somali beef stew on page 93 and the hawaj spice mix on page 74. Can you describe the hawaj spice mix? Yeah. So hawaj is a bunch of warm spices put together. The, the word hawaj comes from Yemen, but hawaj for Somalis is really inspired by the Indian Ocean. So it's cardamom, cumin, cinnamon, whole cloves. Um, you toast all of these together. You grind them together. Uh, then you toss in some turmeric, stir it all together. All of the flavors really dance off of each other Um, making your dish just warm and sweet, but then yet savory. And I think that really speaks to Somali cuisine and not just Somalia, but most of the country along the Indian Ocean in that our foods are really focused on uh, warm spices and not sour spices. And so it adds to our food in that way. So uh, of all the countries on the entire African continent, Somalia has the longest coastline at the tip of the Horn of Africa. You featured Ma Halima and she lives in Minneapolis. Can you tell us a little bit about her? So Mahalima is a woman that I met in Minnesota. She's someone whose story is just as wide as the continent is. She had lived in Saudi Arabia, had been born in Ethiopia, had grown up in Somalia, had moved to Minnesota. Her husband and her children put her kids through school. But Mahalima used to have a restaurant in Minnesota. She's what all Somali women are for me. Boisterous, a little direct, loving, um, inclusive. She just welcomed us with open arm, myself and Victoria, who actually shot that day for us. What's one takeaway that you learned from the women that you interviewed for this cookbook? That nothing is permanent, that life is about heaps and flows, and not to get too attached. I really walked away having a greater sense of what purpose meant and how I could better use time. And that was from just sitting around in their kitchens, outside or inside, having those conversations and interviewing them. In the book, you brought up a really interesting point, the void in the book market for cookbooks that feature African food. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, Africa's 54 countries. From my perspective, the way that Africa's been written about is that it's one country. And the way that stories are shared about Africa is as as it's one place. And Africa's not a country. Africa's a continent. And for me, what was my main inspiration outside of speaking to women was to really use the opportunity of being given a book deal to introduce eight countries. And what better way to use the Indian Ocean as a thread, right? Because what I want to do anyways is to demystify that Africa's far away and Africa's, the foods of Africa are hard to cook and it's still such a mystery to so many people. So uh, on, on that note, I'm glad you brought up the fact that so many cookbooks are written and photographed by people who aren't from that place. I guess it's maybe an offshoot of cultural appropriation. 
I think it depends, right, what the context is. I think anyone can write foods from wherever they enjoy writing them from, but it's just what is the intent behind it and how are you paying homage to that culture and are you acknowledging that these foods do not belong to you but to someone else? And then, like, is there someone else better than you to tell that story that's closer to the story, right? So I I really want to get away from the idea that people can't make foods from other places because I think that would be a disservice to everyone who enjoys food. But we should start getting closer to the idea of who is telling these stories? What perspective are they telling them from? Is there someone closer to the story that can tell the story? Now to my segment called Last Night's Dinner. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm dying to hear this. So what did you have last night for dinner? So I had miso salmon on a bed of white rice. And I shared this with my partner. I don't want you to think I had all this myself. (laughs) And we had a um, half of a chicken on pureed potatoes and kale salad from Walters in my neighborhood. I thought you were going to say peanuts because you just got off a flight. (laughs) No. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like a Diet Coke and some peanuts. (laughs) No. So I I got home late last night and then he ordered it. Okay. (laughs) No. And then I had a glass of Chenin Blanc from South Africa. Oh, nice. Perfect. Yeah, they're not serving food or anything on airplanes anymore, so that's okay for me. Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. (laughs) Where can we find you on the web and social media? So my company, Best Best, is available at bestbestsauces.com, and I am available at Hawa Hassan on Instagram. And you can follow Best Best Sauce on IG if you want as well. So I saw you like three years ago speaking at Dina DeLuca, and I bought my first jar of Best Best there. Thank you. You were an, you were an early you were an early, early adopter. Um, Exactly. That was when we had the bad branding and everything. Thank you. Where can we find it? Just on the website? Yeah. So right now we're focusing all of our attention on direct-to-consumer. But stay tuned because we've got more flavors coming, a new design coming, and hopefully we'll continue to create condiments from the continent. This cookbook brings home the fact that we all speak the language of food. Thanks so much, Hawa, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. This is fun. Subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.